in our business, oftentimes, it's not really where you sell a business outright. That certainly is an option for you. But what's become very popular in the financial services world is the ability to basically sell part of your practice Mm. and then stay engaged and involved. From Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. All right, we are ready for another episode of Stay Paid. I'm sitting here... How many other people have this experience when you're on Zoom and you just end up staring at yourself the whole time? Like you just look at you, you don't look at Josh, anyone else. Josh, we're not as conceited as you, man. I'm I mean, looking at geez, myself no. and like my eyes look so tired, but that's because, <laughs> Luke, I started going back to the gym this morning. Did you really? I have started to Started waking up early, getting back to the gym. How about I you, man? I have been too nervous, but I actually think that's an excuse. I've been too lazy, <laughs> but I've been telling people I've been too nervous. But my gym, Anytime Fitness, and this is not a knock on Anytime Fitness, love them, they're open 24 hours, but is they make you wear a mask in the gym. Hmm. It's like, how are you supposed so to L- run I don't on know what the rules are, but LA Fitness, you just have to have the mask on at entry. Okay. And then they just kind of they kind of turn a blind eye from, from there, okay. I think. <laughs> so, so there you go. But we're getting back to the gym. We're getting back a little bit to, to normal, a semblancy of normal. So I'm actually going out to a restaurant tonight, which is fantastic. Be my excellent, first in a while. Excellent. So yeah. <laughs> well, hey, let's get right to this podcast because we have two great guests today. We have Chris Kohlberg and Jeff Evanello. They're joining us today. Each have been in the financial services business for over 30 years. Chris brings extensive product wholesaling experience working with firms including BlackRock and Goldman Sachs. Jeff was an exchange-traded fund wholesaler at Vanguard where he competed against Chris. These guys were competition back in the day. He specialized in financial advisor development at Waddell and Reed and advisor recruiting at Integrated Succession. Both bring a passion for understanding an advisory firm's goals and objectives and aligning their resources to build their enterprise value. They have taken these passions and their extensive network to help advisors acquire and sell their practices as well as advisory firms to build their team, which is a lot of what we're going to talk to uh, today. This is going to be kind of a new topic for us here on Stay Paid, so super excited to get into it. Jeff and Chris, welcome to Stay Paid. Thank, Thank you. Right. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Now, it's great to have you guys on the podcast. I'm looking forward to about this topic because I think this is a topic that doesn't get a lot of press out there from the thought leaders and the influencers in, in a lot of spaces. I think everybody's about growing your practice. Everybody's about growing your business. And, and at least in what I usually see at conferences and what I usually see across the board, very few people talk about the exit. And a lot of times I find that a lot of times they don't even want you to think about an exit because if you're thinking about an exit, then you have your head already out the door. It's almost like, you know, if you think about a way out in a relationship, you're already out, right? So the point being is with business, I don't think a lot of people think about the exit, but that is such a huge, if not one of the most important parts of your business is how do you align your business to where you can exit and exit in a way that obviously provides you with as much value as you can get from your business. And I'm interested to hear you guys' thoughts, and we can dive right in on this idea of selling your practice. And maybe we can start from the standpoint of how do you even go in to start valuing a financial advisor practice? What are the, some of the things you look for there? 
and let's walk through kind of the things you look for. And then let's get into the topic after we go through that into how do you make that transition possible? And what are the tips you would give there? Certainly. Well, it's, uh, again, thanks for having us on. This is a really uh, interesting topic and it's relevant to our industry in particular. I guess you might say that uh, demographics are destiny in the financial services world because uh, this gray hair you see here, it's bought and paid for and Jeff as well. So we're all getting to be of a certain age where we really need to start thinking about what is what comes next, right? What And how much time do we have? What do we want to do with that time? And how should we think about that next stepping away? Now, in our business, oftentimes, it's not really where you sell a business outright. That certainly is an option for you. But what's become very popular in the financial services world is the ability to basically sell part of your practice mm. and then stay engaged and involved. Uh, I think that's a very attractive value proposition for a lot of advisors to consider that. So valuation, when we think about valuation, and you're thinking about our industry, but more broadly speaking, we fall into what if you were banking and you were going to get a loan from a bank, they look at financial services like they would a, a law firm, they would a, uh, a veterinary cash flow vertical or a cash flow vertical business. Okay. And if you're going to sell your business or someone in turn is going to buy your business, really comes down to what is the persistency of that cash flow from seller to buyer. But more importantly, most financial advisors, they're dealing with clients that they've dealt with for generations. Mm-hmm. And if not 10, 20, maybe even 30 years. So these are no longer just uh, widgets. These are personal relationships that have those three decades worth of trust. Mm. So clearly, if you're thinking about selling your practice, you want to do what's best for that client. And I think that's universal across financial services. And I really think that's universal across uh, all businesses that are cash flow and structure, but have a high level of a high level of um, that type of a relationship and trust built in. So to answer your question, there are certain things that you're looking for when evaluation of the business in our in, in, our, in our industry. First of all, what's the basic structure of the business look like? If you're going to break down for financial services business, what does that cash flow look like? Is that cash flow derived on a pricing which pers- which gives you an annual recurring revenue? Because the higher the annual recurring revenue, the higher the valuation is going to be. And just to step back for a second, studies have been done. There's a lot that's been published. The average valuation for a financial services practice sits in and around 2.4 to 2.5 times. Okay. And it's 2.4, 2.5 times what the annual revenue is. Okay. Okay. So we look for a solid fee-based practice where you've got a good, strong uh, structure in your business, system set up, processes set up, and perhaps you have a specialty in that financial advisory practice that is going to transition over. You basically want to take a look as well. What's the age of the client set? Because in this industry, the older the client, they're not putting money in and growing. They're actually taking money out. Mm. And if you think about it from the standpoint of what am I buying, you want to buy an asset that's actually going or a cash flow that's going to increase over time or opportunity for growth. So if you've got a client set that, say, over 70 
years old and starting to take what are called uh, required minimum distributions out of retirement plans, that's a shrinking cash flow, right? So there's a discount on that. Uh, some of the other things that may discount your business would be perhaps if you have a particular methodology of, of, of managing the money, which is proprietary to you as the financial advisor, your value proposition, one of the key value propositions you bring to the table is, I am the portfolio manager. I do not have a systematized process. I have an individual customized process that I have with my clients. Do you run into that a ton out there? Because I I feel like that's one of the hardest parts for a service-based business is they are the business. And so not only are they the business because they hold the relationship, but they're the business because they hold the secrets. Like they're the secret sauce as well. Do you run into that a ton out in the the industry? Yeah, all the time. Yep. It's, it's kind of their special sauce. I mean, you look at it, you know, would you rather go to McDonald's or this nice Italian restaurant down the street? Um, McDonald's are worth more um, because they're replicatable. It's mm. something that you can, you can look at and make that same thing over and over again. And the other one's a secret sauce, a secret recipe. But a lot of, especially in our industry, a lot of industries, your secret sauce is you. So you have to find a way to replicate what is good about you. A lot of time by bringing on a junior you first so that that same taste is the same to the clients, but that it, it, it's, it's, it's sellable to someone else. Mm. Uh, we run into the financial services industry. We run into that with financial advisors. They, they create their own portfolios. Well, that's great. But what happens when you're gone? Who's creating the portfolios? There's no value in that because you're not here. We have to find out something that's replicatable, but still you and still has your name on it. That's why you mentioned earlier, it's hard to understand what your value will be in the future if you don't understand what it is now. And what it takes to get there. And most advisors, they'll stay in the business. They sell and stay. About 99, 5% will sell and stay. But that process, usually it's about 10, it should start about 10 years before you're ready to sell, uh, mm. helps lead. You'll be able to create the secret sauce that makes you so special to when you want to sell it to the seller for the same thing. 10 years, uh, like you use 10 years as a benchmark of building out the systems, like the scalable system. So that's a really long time. So it's something that people have to get ahead of it goes to the point, I guess, that we were mentioning at the beginning of the podcast is like, if you're not thinking about your your exit or your retirement, as they say, you're going to find yourself in a pickle and actually lose value. I see this with real estate agents all the time is they don't understand the value of their database and all the relationships and how they can hang their license in a referral state state and get 30% off of every transaction that comes from that database. And they, so few of the ones that we even talk to when they say they're retiring because we sell marketing, right? So we're calling them, oh no, I'm getting out of the business. Well, we ask them, our first question is, oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. You're going to be sitting on a beach, have a conversation with them. You're on the right side of the hill. You're going downhill now. It's all easy, but who are you passing your business to? And they're like, oh, I don't really know. And they miss out. And now at this point, guess what? Someone can swoop in that's younger that literally you can't get the whole value of the business, of the database you've built because you don't have a system and a plan. And so I just think that's so interesting that you're putting a time frame of 10 years for the financial service industry of building out those systems. Chris and I did it when we started the firm um, because I'm, I'm a big CRM guy. I, lo- I love CRM. We spent a lot of time developing one based on all our mutual contacts that whatever happened in 10 years, we're going to be able to like sell that database or lease those relationships and what we've built over that time. Now, it's not easy. I mean, it's, you know, there was three, four months of kind of downtime where you're building all these things. Um, but as it grows and it all comes together, 
you know, we could find a seller in Tampa, Florida or whatever, by just like that. Um, uh, but it's not easy and it's, it, it takes some time and it, it takes constant monitoring as well as, for example, financial services, the average age of the advisors getting, uh, older, but so are their clients. So as they're thinking ahead, they're going to have to get their clients younger. So get to that next generation mm. because they're, so that's this constant thought process of what I've done now. How do I replicate that down the down downstream. So what are some of the systems you guys look so you're obviously looking at the cash flow, right? You're looking at the number of clients they have, you're looking at the age of the clients. Financial service is so interesting because your business is naturally declining just by age, let alone like everything else that's affecting you and, and all the other stuff that's out there. So what are other systems that you look at? So when you're going into a practice, like what makes a good practice to you? You know, a lot of it has to come down to technology is always one, what technology are you using? What systems do they have in place? Um, what, part, what practice management are they following? What are they adopting in terms of any type of practice management ideas? Um, what are they putting in place in terms of how to grow their business? In our business now, there's organic growth and non-organic growth. Non-organic growth of your business is buying somebody, right? Mm. Organic growth is what are some of the things that you have in place to allow you to grow your business, but grow it with a, with a specific type of client that fits you that you already have success with. So we look at what types of processes are there for in terms of the, uh, in terms of the practice management, what are they adopting? And then third thing is that we look at is, you know, so many of the, our businesses in our industry are very top line focused and not a lot of them are really bottom line focused or focused mm. on the profit. And that's why Jeff had said, and rightly so, you're going to dig your well before you're thirsty. Ten years sounds like a long time. At least take a start, take a look at this. If you're an accelerated time frame, three to five years to, in order to make sure you put systems in place that are profit oriented. So you're not giving up money. You're not leaving money on the table when you want to exit. No, that's a golden nugget right there. And, and will be to the buyer. So your system in place have to once the buyer comes in, just take on uh, a life of its own. The The largest multiple we've seen um, in a sale, surprisingly enough, was because they've done, they were doing pension plans and they're able to demonstrate to the seller all the individuals that were going to be retiring and the money that was going to come in and, you know, 20 to 30 million was going to come in, in the next two or three years. And they could demonstrate that mm. based on the relationships plus the CRM all built into one place. If you're a financial advisor and are only connecting with men, you're neglecting half of your business right out of the gate. Women make up half of the workforce, and by 2030, they're expected to control half of the nation's wealth. But if you find yourself struggling to gain or keep female clients, there's hope. Go to ReminderMedia.com retention and download our free guide to retaining female and next-generation clients. That's ReminderMedia.com retention. But don't wait. Take action on this today. Well, I think there's a trap that um, so many of us fall into. Even like it, it transcends service-based industries like financial advisors, real estate. Like we're a marketing company. So we do a service, but we're a marketing company. And, and Josh and I can still find ourselves too much concentrated on the revenue. Oh, we got to hit that hundred million. We got to hit that hundred. For what? For less profit? 
Like, why do we want to work harder, have more stress? Like so many people, whether it's pride, whether it's not the right focus, they don't focus on the net profit, which at the end of the day is actually what you take home and what someone's going to value your business off of. So just, you know, it's a, it's a really a thought process for everybody who's listening to this podcast right now is going your activities that you're producing, the marketing you're spending, all the things that you're doing in your business, is it really moving the bottom line needle for you? Or is it just to showcase that you could sell 100 transactions in real estate, but you really made less money than selling 75 transactions the last year, right? It's that we fall into that trap constantly. What's the growth rate you look for, though, in the financial services industry? Like, what's a healthy growth rate year over year? Well, you want to touch that one, Chris? <laughs> yeah, I would say that, you know, most most financial advisory practices uh, on average are going to double in size in about 10 to 12 years. So if you take that out, you're looking at seven, a seven to 8% growth rate okay. on, on the uh, revenues on an annual basis okay. is healthy on, on, a, on, a, uh, on a net, right? Not a top line, but yes. a growth rate. Okay. And one thing I want to touch on in our business, and it applies in a lot of businesses, was that was that growth based on on market increase or was it something client increase? So I look at a, a client uh, net asset growth uh, much more than I do a you know bottom line assets under management growth, especially in a market that we had before this recent uh, hmm. downturn. Well, let's talk about the hardest part. I feel, which is the transition. Transition, right? So yeah, you go in. You, you value the business. You go, wow, you got a good business here. How do you pass all those relationships to somebody new? What's the strategy there? Like, what are some of the tips you guys are giving to people? Like, if it's Jeff selling his business to Chris, how does he introduce Chris? How does he pass Chris? I mean, you have all the trust, and now you're, you're passing somebody with their most valuable assets a lot of times. How do you, how do you strategically advise people there? I have a line that I always use makes Chris laugh. Um, you know, uh, house guests and fish stink after three days. Uh, advisors <laughs> practice that you buy. The advisor that's selling usually stinks after about two years. But uh, the fish tastes good and, the, and the, um, the, the guests are so much fun for that time and you need them for that transition. Um, and then after a certain time, usually it's about two years uh, where you want to start putting your own name on things and getting it, but you need that time frame to transition it. And if you're not getting along early in that period, it, it's going to be tough to work. And if you're not exiting at the end of that period, and for some reason, our business is two years. It takes enough time to get the clients over, get the relationships over, make sure the clients and their families feel the new advisor um, is, is a value. The other one was, um, and then kind of get out, you know, <laughs> you're out of the way. Yeah. Do, too about the uh, uh, Jeff's always got a good point of view when he talks about a lot of advisors will have a top tier of clients. They call them a client advisory council is a certain word that they'll have. Those are the best relationships. And one of the key things that you can do is introduce the advisor you're thinking of coming in or you would transition to to that advisory client advisory council to make sure there's a fit. That's so important in this. It's got to be a fit for those clients. That trust has to bridge, which is really the key. So that's another thing that we that that I know Jeff's been really uh, adamant about, and I think it makes a lot of sense is to make sure you do that upfront work uh, and and go buy your best relationships. After, at the end of the day, it's typically a Pareto principle, right? It's an eighty twenty world. So 
typically those represent your best clients um, and, and, and you have to get their buy off. So that's, that's a good tip. Uh, and I can't say that enough. And thanks for mentioning because they represent your brand. So if, mm. you, if you're a real estate agent, you have a, you've sold a house three times to the same person. They must love what you do. Um, that they're able to tell what you do better than you can because mm-hmm. they live it and they see it and they, they buy things from you because of that. And, and I love the advisory council idea. I love telling buyers to interview uh, the top revenue clients, one, to see if they're a fit for them, but two, to find out why they're the top revenue clients and what makes it makes us all so good. Mm. There's a book Josh and I are going through raving fans, basically mm-hmm. creating raving fans. And one of the most mm-hmm. convicting things to me about the book when I was reading it, and, and obviously there's these principles of how to create raving fans and, and all that good stuff. But it was actually me stopping and going, can I list my raving fans right now? Mm-hmm. Can I, do I actually know them? Do I know them by name? Like this advisory council that you're talking about, I think the action item, the golden nugget for people in that is, as you're listening to this podcast right now, do you know who those people are? Like the people who you say, Jeff, carry your brand. They're your advocates. They're your main people. Do you know who they are? Another huge golden nugget that makes me smile because I'm going to use it on my pitches now in my webinars is it takes two years to build trust from an advisor to a new advisor. Why do people think they can market one time and build trust in a community or in a neighborhood? They send out one mailer and they think deals are going to rain from the sky. They, I did they, it. Do, <laughs> they do one seminar and they expect it takes two years to transition trust and you have the person helping you. You have the person telling his clients that, hey, I trust this guy. Use this guy. You've trusted me. But it takes two years is what you guys find. And it's like, that's the thing that you can tell. It's a pet peeve of mine. It makes me rant. People <laughs> just freaking, they think this instant gratification. They think you can build trust by one mailer, build trust by one meeting, by one dinner date. It's like, you don't date your wife one time and have a great relationship, people. I mean, it takes, it takes a while to, to, to really build that uh, you know, connection. And it's the same in marketing and it's the same in selling your practice. I just think that's so so interesting and people just miss out on it yeah discipline's a tough trait in a lot of things and i've learned that that you know that, that through my life for sure and and the discipline of of sticking to it um and building that uh, it takes time uh, whether you're working out or whether you're you know building a business where's the biggest pain point that you're seeing right now for what where are people just leaving this money on the table as you've mentioned a couple of times what is it that people are doing that they're just so blind to well, a lot of them too, a couple items too. I mean, there's a big discount for our, our, our business has gone to more of a fee-based structure. And that's not been a near-term, that's been a longer-term transition. So a lot of the things that drag on the valuation would be, as I mentioned to the age of the client, but also too is the transaction-oriented nature of the business, the brokerage side or what we call the brokerage side of the business. And I'm going to buy, I'm gonna sell, you're going to buy a stock, I'm going to make a commission. I'm going to sell you a bond. You're going to make a commission. If that part of it is a high component to your overall overall revenue scheme, that's actually a discount to your to your practice. If you're one dimensional, in our industry, it's funny. We used to we used to sell the value proposition of what we did for clients from a portfolio construction or portfolio management side. Still very important, but a lot more clients now are really wanting to get the full broad aspect of a financial planning. What should I do? How much should I save? What about building for 
you know, to buy a home? What what type of car should I lease? Should I own? What are some of the really thin granular things that financial advisors can build into their practice to offer more than just what stock and bond own or how to build a proper mm. portfolio, right? So that's some of the things that we look at more broadened. Uh, the more you have in terms of that structure, the better your overall valuation is going to be. Mm. My, my biggest pain point is in any business, the value of what you're selling is always bigger to the seller and the buyer it d- discounts it more. There's still a big disconnect in our industry. There's there's a lot more buyers and sellers, and some of the sellers aren't that organized to really sell, um, but they hear a multiple, the 2.4. I get 2.4 times earnings, and you look at a practice, you say, well, I pay three for this, or man, it's 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 an older practice, and it's a lot of commission, and I don't think I pay more than one, and, and it kills the deal, and it's hard to get those both guys to the table, and the longer that goes on, the less value that that book actually has, that's that's decreasing in value, um, and it, it gets hard. It's hard to it's hard to arrange your transactions sometimes. There's nothing that kills a deal faster than expectations. <laughs> well, that kills a lot of things. <laughs> that kills relationships. It kills everything, man. Yeah, freaking expectations. It's just like crazy. That was my meditation topic yeah. yesterday. That's, that's true. <laughs> it's so crazy. All right, I got to ask you guys, right? Because um, you've had a lot of success. Um, in your careers and, and then obviously joining together to do what you're doing now. When you look at your life and write the routines that you guys have implemented, you know, Josh and I, we love to hear what, are, is it, what is it that successful people are implementing in their life daily that has driven success? Do you guys have any routines that you implement, any things that you do constantly to, that have driven success for you? Jeff, I would, sh- I would have you share what you've been doing recently. I think it's, it's spot on. Well, as at first, Chris and I set days. We have uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are our call days. Uh, Fridays are our wholesaler days and planning days. Monday's kind of morning to planning days. And then Thursday, we kind of leave open. It, with having a cold caller now and stuff, we, we're changing a little bit. But it, the discipline to stick by that, mm. uh, you have to do. And a discipline that I had just done, if anybody's, and I'm in day 25, it's phenomenal. Maybe you've heard of Wim Hof. You guys heard of Wim Hof? No, I haven't heard. No. Uh, Wim Hof is famous for setting records that nobody thought could even be set. Climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in shorts. Um, uh, just 27 world records. And what happened is they, these scientists were looking at him like, well, how, this isn't even normal. How do you do this? And he really did it through these breathing techniques and this cold water therapy where he, he does his heavy breathing. Then he takes a cold shower every morning and then he goes swimming like Tahoe. Um, and I'm Ooh. at the point I'm at two minutes, five seconds, but it, there's, there, there's, there's scientific and physiological reasons why you do it, but it's the mental reason to do it. I missed one day in the last 25 for a virus. And I was, I, I was able to pick back up. And of course it was day 20. It takes 21 days to get it, create a habit. Uh, but do you really risk it all missing on day yeah, 21? No, but, <laughs> but now, I mean, I look forward to the cold shower. It, it doesn't even, really? even, you know, oh yeah, it's just. And, but it, but but it's that mind. It's the discipline that that created it to make the mind to do it. Mm. And it's tough. I mean, Chris and I have had our struggles because you know you'll get calls. You're supposed to be on the phone doing this, and something else will happen. Um, and it just. But it the, the discipline to just do something you love and make sure you love it because it's hard to do it if you don't love it. Yep. I, I love cold water and stuff, so it's easier for me. I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know who loves cold. Well, I guess if you're in a desert and you're thirsty. I like drinking cold water. <laughs> yeah, I like drinking cold water. Well, you know what's Jumping interesting? Jumping into cold water, not so much. It's literally like sticking to your calendar. That's what I have heard over and over again, which is so... And we were on a call with my brother, Stephen, who's a, a real estate agent, and he was just so adamant at the end of our call going... If it's going to happen, we got to put it on my calendar and you got to stick to it. And it's like what he's recognized and just his short years in the business. If I don't stick to this thing on this calendar, I'm in chaos. Like the world is dictating me. I'm not dictating the world. So I think that's so powerful. I'm going to have to look him up because I've heard of the cold water stuff. I think Danny Morell, uh, we had, he's a big time real estate agent in California that we had on. And he had, I think, mentioned that type of stuff that I'd heard of the cold water. I don't know what it's called. But he had mentioned that same thing. Yeah, if you look up Insight, we, my wife bought me Insight Timer. It's like a $9 a month or something. It has a lot of meditations, but he's on there. And I did a 30-day session, mostly because I want to make sure I did my own discipline. And it kind of disciplined me to do it. But Insight Timer has been great because um, it'll tell you this day 21 is what you have to do. And it keeps you on it. But there's a lot of different things on there. Um, but Wim Hof is on there. And I, I would highly suggest mm-hmm. that. But I, I feel great. I really do. Nice. I love it. I love it. All right. Last question. This one gets a little deeper, so don't cry. All right. But <laughs> what would you go back and tell your your younger self, that kid in high school? What advice would you guys give your younger self? Life's going to knock you down and get back up again. Mm. You're always going to get back up again. Keep moving forward. Uh, not just if you're, but the other thing I'd say to him, look, listen, if you get, if you fall off a horse, just don't automatically get back up every time you dust yourself off and get back up. You have to do that. But you also always have to periodically look at that and say, why the heck am I falling off the horse? You mm. have to take time to evaluate that as well. So I would say life is filled with challenges. You're going to get knocked down, get back up and keep moving, but take the time to analyze what it is that's knocking you back down and be mindful of that. That's a golden nugget right there. The reflection is people miss. They miss the reflection. Yeah. Yeah, my, my dad had a lot of great sayings, but for some reason, the one that comes to me mind is keep your mouth shut. <laughs> That's a great sales principle, too. It's better to listen, right? Than to respond. <laughs> I, I struggle with that every single day. <laughs> you can tell on this webinar. I mean, I keep saying webinar on this podcast. You guys can tell I did three webinars. Two webinars or two, two webinars. podcasts. Yeah, it yeah, makes, makes Luke go crazy. It does. No, it's so awesome. <laughs> Now that's fantastic, guys. Thanks so much for being here. Before we close out, let people know how they can find you, how they can connect with you and what you're doing. Yes, uh, www.integratedsuccession.com. You mentioned success. It's right in the name. But yeah, Integrated Succession, you're looking to buy, sell, merge practices. Uh, We have the process and the structure and the liquidity to help you do it. Awesome. Love it. Thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for listening. To dive deeper into this episode, get all of the links that we just mentioned there. And to find the video, you can head on over to staypaidpodcast.com. And if you are interested in supporting the show, we ask you to do this in two ways. The first way is to rate us five stars on iTunes and leave a comment. This is our featured review for the week. It's short and sweet. Five stars. Mary McCooley via Apple Podcast says, I am just getting set up with Reminder Media so far and I'm loving it and the podcast's are great. So thank you, Mary, not only for being a client, but for leaving that review over on iTunes for the podcast. And the best way to support the show is to tell a friend about the podcast, share on your social media. If you know someone in the situation who's looking for or maybe looking for a succession plan in the future, regardless of the industry, make sure you send them this podcast. Go check out integratedsuccession.com as well. If you want to get hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast at remindermedia.com. 
or you can find us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. Also, go ahead and connect with Luke on Instagram. He is at Luke Acre. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke Acre. Chris, Jeff, thank you guys again for coming on. It was awesome. I love ta- talking about this topic because I don't think enough people are talking about it. Here's your action item because there's so many golden nuggets I think you could go back to and listen. But I think your action item should be, should be this, is what's your secret sauce? What's your value proposition right now? As a business owner, as a real estate agent, insurance agent, financial advisor, what is it that is secret to you that you bring to the table? And then ask yourself, if you were not there today, would your business continue that secret sauce? And if not, you have some work to do. You have to put in the systems that will scale your business so you can actually get out of your business, work on your business, be on the beach somewhere, and not have to worry that your business is not going to succeed. So that's your action item from this is think to yourself that is what's your secret sauce? If you don't know it, write it down and then ask yourself, do I have systems to carry this out even when I'm not here? Remember this, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single industry that we've worked in is top producers take action. Take action on that today. 